I'm Mark Pender with Econoday with Mark Rogers, senior economist of Econoday. Mark, the FOMC is the big news on the Econoday calendar this week, Wednesday afternoon, with first the statement followed by the press conference. What should we look for? Well, first of all, what the, the first thing out of the gate is going to be the policy statement. That's going to come out at 2 o'clock. And remember, the Fed's switch schedules recently where now they're actually consistent at 2 o'clock Wednesday Eastern Time. So we're going to initially look at and parse what's in the statement before we move on to other items that come out essentially closely at that time or shortly thereafter. So everything points to the markets thinking about what the Fed's thinking on Wednesday and then probably reacting all the way through Friday. Now, the statement is out uh, first, and it will represent um, an agreement among uh, the the uh, policymakers, including those on, on the hawkish side. Is there a possibility that when the chairman, who's not hawkish, has uh, his say a little bit later that the tone will change and perhaps the market's perceptions of things will change through the, co the course of that afternoon? The, anything is possible. Here, here's the key thing uh, from recent weeks. The markets just have been back and forth in terms of what the Fed's going to do is quantitative easing going to be sooner or later. But again, the first thing out of the gate is going to be the statement. And first thing I'm going to look at is the description of the economy. In the May 1st statement, the, uh, the economy was described as continuing, quote unquote, at a moderate pace. So that's the benchmark for the first reaction by the markets. Of the moderate pace. Well, then we also have the FOMC economic forecasts out, and they've been uh, coming a little bit more moderate each time. Is that right? That's right. But uh, l let me back up just a minute. Uh, the, the second thing that I would focus on is in the statement itself. The forecast, that's, that's a separate document. But within the statement, a key part now is guidance and it's guidance on two items. It's, it's going to be in terms of how long the, the Fed funds rate is going to remain exceptionally low, how long it's going to do that, and then the second part is in terms of guidance of when quantitative easing might be cut back somewhat. And currently, guidance is based on economic indicators and economic news specifically. The guidance focuses on the unemployment rate with a trigger of 6.5% for uh, the unemployment rate to come down to at least 6.5% before there is a policy reaction. So basically, one of the key, and, and this, well, let me go back, continue. The second part of guidance is that the Fed is also watching expected inflation. And the key figure there is they're saying that they're, the trigger for unloosening, that's probably a better phrase than saying tightening, unloosening. I think I made that up. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it fits. But, but the, the, the number is 
half a percentage point above the long-term goal of 2%. So we're talking about 2.5%. So then the question is, how do the latest labor market numbers and how do, how do the latest inflation numbers and the commentary and the statement compare to that latest guidance? The, the progression to the, the best employment, the, the 6.5 level or uh, progression to the inflation rate. Do you expect any wording changes in the funds, in the Fed's funds rate target? or in their uh, monthly $85 billion quantitative easing program? Well, uh, I don't think anyone who's tracking the Fed expects there to be a change in the Fed funds rate target or the discount rate at this policy meeting. Uh, that, that's some time off. The question is whether there's going to be any tweaking in the guidance language. I don't think anyone expects a change at this meeting, either in rates or the actual amount of asset purchases, which currently include $40 billion a month for mortgage-backed securities and $45 billion a month in long-term treasuries. The issue is whether there's any change in the telegraphing by the Fed of what they're going to do later this year or sometime in the future. And there are two, two places to look for that. And that's inflation nope. and employment, and well, and how do they and how do they add up to uh, to the likelihood that they they will be a change in uh, and if it is, is it going to be um, moving forward the tapering? Is that more likely? Do you see more economic strength and economic weakness lately? Well, I think the Fed clearly knows at some point, at some point, there's going to be tapering. The question is when that's going to occur and how quickly that's going to occur. And that's what the markets are going to look for. They're trying to anticipate down the road. There's no question that tapering will occur at some point. So essentially markets are going to look at the language and the statement in terms of guidance and then also what's often forgotten there are very specific numbers that the Fed puts out in terms of forecasts for GDP growth, uh, the unemployment rate, and PCE inflation. Then importantly, and, and those who are paying attention, it's, it's, they are staring you in the face. Forecasts are put out by the Fed each quarter in terms of what the Fed collectively, on average, expects the Fed funds rate to be over the next two years and also the likely next timing point for change in policy. So uh, there's plenty of opportunity for telegraphing when uh, policy is going to change on Wednesday afternoon. Well, you know, all this telegraphing and all these questions about the FOMC really starting, I think, with uh, the chairman's uh, testimony in late May um, has created a great deal of volatility in the market. Uh, and do you think that there will, will the Fed address this in any possible way in the statement? Or will there, if, if so, if not, and is there in, will there be an indirect need among the members to try to 
quiet down the markets right now and the reaction to things? The intent of guidance is to calm the markets. And you know, that's an academic question whether it actually has done that. But I, I clearly think there's not going to be anything in the statement that um, is very different from last time. However, uh, Chairman Ben Bernanke will be having a press conference, I believe, at 2.15. Two, it's 2.30 uh, uh, on, on, okay. on the calendar. Uh, right. But uh, basically, uh, he can be grilled on anything, and market volatility could be one of the questions. Uh, the amount of telegraphing could be one of the questions, and his view in terms of whether the economy is growing fast enough to start unwinding easing anytime soon. So the, the, we've got everything, Wednesday afternoon, everything from the statement where you want to look at the characterization of the economy. You also want to look and see if there is any changes in the wording of the guidance on both Fed funds rate and asset purchases. And then there are the Fed forecasts, which come out at the same time as the statement in a separate document, which will cover everything from expectations for GDP growth. And you want to see, is, has the Fed downgraded GDP growth or not? Do you, think, that that, do you think that's a possibility? Uh, see, but part of the problem is it's not a quarter-by-quarter quarter forecast. It's a fourth quarter each year forecast. So it's entirely possible that they see some slowing in the second quarter, but it doesn't show up because we only get to see what they view as the year-on-year -year rate for the fourth quarter. Um, we'll probably have to wait for the minutes to get that kind of detail. But also, uh, there's going to be clear telegraphing in terms of the policy decision part of the forecast where the Fed funds rate will be, is that being raised up or down, and is the timing sooner or later? So there's just tons of information on telegraphing Fed policy Wednesday afternoon. Well, it's the dissent also. Actually, I was thinking about what started causing this volatility, and it was the dissent from the FOMC meetings, the extent of it, and that some of the hawks were wanting to bring forward immediately the, uh, the, the, the tapering of quantitative easing. What do you, how many, uh, you know, we've been getting, how many um, uh, dissents uh, uh, from the policy? Uh, we've had, it, we've basically had one dissenting vote at the FOMC meetings. Uh, not every district president votes every time. There's the rotation between the district bank presidents. And dissent this year has come from Esther George. She's the uh, president of the Kansas City Fed. And her concern has been that uh, continued quantitative easing at the current pace raises inflation expectations in the long run and also may be disrupting financial markets. And the key thing about 
Uh, and there's, a, I'm, I'm sorry does, to interrupt, but the, uh, there's a couple, I'm just dying to know, there's a couple of uh, other hawks who are, uh, who may, right? I mean, the, uh, oh, absolutely. The, <laughs> Esther George is relatively technical, but the one that's more vocal is Richard Fisher from the Dallas Fed. He's a non-voting member of the FOMC, but at the FOMC, every participant, they're voting members and non-voting members, but they all participate. And they actually listen to each other. And that's one of the good things about the Federal Reserve. Uh, they actually have no problem internally in terms of having debate. Could the, state, could the statement reflect a, a higher tone of concern among the, uh, among the hawks if, uh, if that's what happens? Would, would you see it in the wording of the statement? It's possible, but the statement is relatively tame in terms of debate. It's the minutes where you see more of the uh, detail about discussion and debate. So I would not look for much difference in terms of hawkish comments or dissent at the statement. But uh, you know, the minutes will be coming out uh, three weeks later, and that's where you'll see more of the detail about internal debate. And indeed, uh, the dissent sometimes leads to where the majority heads later. So that's another method of telegraphing. Well, you know, that was uh, May 22nd was less FOMC minutes. I remember it now. Bernanke came out in the morning and then the FOMC minutes came out in the afternoon. And that was a, a big day and the beginning of a lot of volatility for the market. The next is July 10 on your Econo Day calendar for the FOMC minutes. And those are posted, will be posted at 2 o'clock. Uh, last question, Mark. Can we expect, I mean, I guess coming into the meeting, it's... Uh, uh, it's the cone of silence for the FOMC, but after after the, the chairman speaks, I actually know what you mean by cone of silence. <laughs> after the chairman speaks, it's going to be you know, a, it, will it be uh, a significant risk of uh, of volatility for the markets? Uh, uh, well, give here's, us your call. Here, here's the key point. This, we're sort of at the the economy is sort of at a a tipping point for changes in Fed policy. If, if Fed policy is on a steady-as-you-go path, then markets are, are less volatile. I, I don't think there's any way around the volatility because we're at a potential, I'll emphasize, potential tipping point. And a actually, I believe it's not actual change in policy, but potential change in telegraphing policy. So as in contrast to the past where markets reacted, had little information from the Fed until policy changes were made, markets would react to actual policy changes. Now markets are reacting to the telegraphs not just the policy. And there's always the risk that the market may be going one way that the Fed uh, or, or is thinking that the Fed said one thing when the Fed really said the other thing. That's another risk. That I cannot <laughs> that's, disagree. That's why we'll come back next week, Mark, for you to straighten everything out. Again, that's Mark Rogers of Econo Day, and I'm Mark Pender.